Welcome to episode 257 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. I'm the very dignified Michael. No, you're not. <laughs> what? You're the gray poupon Michael. I'm, this is a dignified episode of Destination Linux. As you can <laughs> tell by my handlebars, it shows that we have class and also more class. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I don't, Jill, what, what just happened? Uh, for those listening, Michael has taken his mustache and curled it and uh, now has suddenly got an accent too from the 30s. That's not so. an, it's not, yeah. it's a dignified just, way of speaking. And it just, it, it's automatic when you have a handlebar. Man. It is. It's automatic. What do you think, Jill? Is it a good look for Michael? Yeah. yeah. Michael like mustard? <laughs> Do you have any gray poupon, Ryan? Do you have any? It would be very nice if you could share some. Well, listen, Jill, we're going to have to move this show on because Michael is just completely yeah. lost it. I think he hit his head and now he thinks he's back uh, in the 30s. But I'm Ryan. I'm Jill. And just off camera with us, piped directly in from Jitsi, is our glorious community of fact-checking, ego-busting patrons. Oh, wait, I changed my voice. On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we discuss our favorite IDEs and text editors for writing code and discuss some of the future tools, the future of the tools, and enhance these several popular options. Then we're going to discuss Caden Live's new features, which are going to give you geek chills, dignified geek chills. Plus, we have our tips and tricks and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on the dignified episode of Destination Linux. Somebody send help. <laughs> So before we get into our community feedback this week, we want to take a moment to thank Matt from GameSphere and, of course, deal and extend to shows that he's a part of for doing a 24-hour mm -hmm. stream for the St. Jude Children's Hospital. This was so insane. To stay up 24 hours straight <sighs> yeah. is such... It's a huge monumental thing. If you've yeah. never tried to do it, trust me, it's like, especially the last four hours or so, you just start crashing. But Matt did it for charity and was able to meet his goal of $1,000. In fact, $1,001 was raised for St. Jude's Children's awesome. Hospital thanks to you, the community mm -hmm. out there. And several people in this community did something absolutely amazing. They hung out with Matt the whole time like to keep him entertained. Well, I mean, some of them took some breaks here and there, but Matt had somebody sitting on stream talking to him and things throughout the night into the morning and all of this. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just speaks volumes about this community and the fact that they wanted to help him be able to achieve this. And it obviously, if you're there by yourself, it'd be much more easy to fall asleep. It'd been like a 24-hour sleep camp, um, and it would be harder to complete the goal. But because of you guys... He had entertainment there the whole time. A lot of people from the community sacrificing their days to take part in it and play some games. And I just want to say, I showed Matt up in Splitgate. I mean, there's video evidence out there. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> so all of this trash talk that Matt gave about me not being, okay, maybe I didn't show him up, but I at least got as many kills as him. So we were kind of bouncing back and forth. But I think that <laughs> I've showed Matt that I am a true gamer here. But in all honesty, thank you so much to the community. Thank you for helping raise $1,000 for St. Jude's. 
I think that's just absolutely amazing, and we appreciate it so much. Yeah, it's awesome, and especially with the you were talking about the, how how the, everybody came around, and like depending on any time of the day, there was someone helping, and that is yeah. just a great testament to the community. And also, it shows that it's a worldwide community because a lot of the people were doing like relay because there was a couple who were in the morning, and then they came back the next morning because it was a different yes. time zone for them. So that was just pretty awesome that 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 everybody was chipping in to do that, and of course that we were able to to raise a thousand dollars for this. St. June Children's Hospital as well. And also, we got some community feedback this week from Isaac. And Isaac wrote in to say, My Linux journey starts with me wanting to record audio and edit videos and make animations with not having much money to start with. After a couple years of using tools like Audacity and Krita, I learned what open source was. After getting a Pi 4, I learned what Linux was. Before, I thought it was some sort of English operating system. Uh, I tried out different... Uh, English operating systems. I tried out different <laughs> distributions on the Pi and an old laptop, and I knew that I what I wanted to be part of the anti-establishment of open source. I disliked how much data Microsoft and Google collected, and I don't like the pretentiousness of Mac while having a handlebar for this one. Uh, all of that held me back. What was school? I was worried that I wouldn't be able to accomplish all the multimedia projects that I had to do. Thankfully, my laptop broke right before last semester. Thankfully, I love that. Thankfully, <laughs> he says I installed Ubuntu on my new laptop and I'm now on Ubuntu Mate, which after distro hopping around deserves much more love. I agree with that. And I and I haven't looked back. I use it with for everything in my mass media media studies. And I use it to record a podcast about the people of Tyler Junior College called The People You Will Meet. Thanks for all you do in the community and also for the normies like me, Isaac. And he also says, P.S., if you want to go to college, check out TJC and get fully accredited classes before going to university will save you thousands. So thank you so much for the feedback, uh, Isaac, and telling to giving us your Linux journey. If you'd like to give your Linux journey, please uh, send, uh, send us an email at comments at destinationlinux.org or post it on a forum as well. And this is really interesting because the audio recording and video editing is basically is in our wheelhouse, of course. Of course, the podcasting as well. And mm -hmm. uh, video editing, we're going to talk about a little bit more about that later in the show because uh, for a lot of people are aware that I'm a big fan of Caden Live. I've made that very clear many times and no, we will continue really? to do that this episode. <laughs> what I love about this is this email are a couple of things. Number one, talking about the pie. We, we've talked about how the Raspberry Pi is a lot of people's first introduction to Linux. And this is a bona fide story here where that actually took place. They didn't understand Absolutely. Linux. They didn't know what it was. But they got this Raspberry Pi, which you can now buy in most stores. Like you go to Targets and Walmarts and things, there's Raspberry Pis yeah. sitting there. This is the importance of having Linux products mm -hmm. sitting on shelves, sitting on shelves somewhere. <laughs> so it would be great to see Linux laptops and Linux desktops and things sitting on shelves as well, because it's just going to expose far more people to it. So I, I love that part of it. But I think one of the things that I absolutely adore about open source software is that it closes the digital divide. If you look at the beginning of his email, what he's talking about here is he had no money. And we have a lot of aspiring animators. We have a lot of aspiring writers, podcasters, artists, all of these things in the world. And unfortunately, they may be born in a situation or live in an area where they don't have access, immediate access to a computer easily, or they don't have access to their libraries easily and these type of things. And they certainly don't have the finances to be able to pay five, six hundred, a thousand dollars for Adobe and all of these other products out there. But open source Absolutely. and Linux and the fine people who work on these products and create things like 
Blender and Krita and all of this stuff allow access to everyone. So that aspiring video editor, that aspiring director, they can do that here in open source for no cost. They could still explore those things that they love. And look where it led him. You know, now he's in yeah. college and doing this in the classes. And Jill, this has got to yeah. be very near and dear <laughs> to your heart because Absolutely. this is something that you do. Yeah. So Isaac, I teach computer animation and motion graphics at the local junior and community college here in Los Angeles. And uh, I, you know, the whole animation industry is using Linux, especially in the in the fil in film industry. So I have them using uh, Blender, uh, Maya on Linux, Caden uh, Live, and all, and Krita, and all the open source tools. And for the the students that are coming to my class, which is the advanced class, it's their their last classes they take before they graduate, they're always blown away. They have no idea that they can be using free software to to do all this stuff and be using a free operating system, Linux. I, I make sure they use Linux. <laughs> Naturally. I, I yes. approve of that decision. <laughs> well, that's why we love hearing stories like this, this type of you know, feedback, this type of email is going to give inspiration to other people out there uh, and know that there are tools out there. There's an operating system out there that they can utilize and they can do amazing things with. So thank you for sending that in. And we love hearing from our worldwide community. What we want you to do is get your official deal in mug, fill it with some coffee or bubbly, sit down in your nearest stool. Mm -hmm. If you're a child, if you're an adult, get a chair and send an email to comments at destinationlinux.org. And your email may be included in a future episode of the show. For those who want to get more information about stools, you can check out the DLN Forum by going to DLNforum.com. And there you can also be have a great dignified conversation about how awesome stools are. And if you want to learn more about how awesome stools are, you can check out DestinationLinux.org slash stools, where you can see the episode of where this nonsense started, which it was a fun episode, and they decided to torture me over the stool in my background. So if you have no idea what we're talking about, that's where, where well, what Ryan continues to reference for it's been almost Who, two me? years i think it's, the whole community it is, loves it yeah. and references it constantly it has and been Jill's almost wearing two her years stool shirt <laughs> yeah yes jill is wearing the stool perfect. shirt the active sitting yeah. shirt absolutely <laughs> love it so you can check that out at dealinstore.com so yay you, thanks for the well, you want to know what thanks is for the dignified? two years <laughs> what's that not a stool that's not dignified. Not your little handlebars. That's not dignified. Uh, but Digital Ocean. Oh, I agree. They're with that. dignified. They're dignified. And this episode is brought to you by Digital Ocean. Now's the perfect time to dive into Digital Ocean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever before using a simple, intuitive interface. Simply point App Platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all the heavy lifting. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, Static, Docker, you name it, they've got it. By running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your cost significantly lower than other products. But here's the best part. They're going to give you $100 to go play with this service. And they have over 5,000 cloud agnostic tutorials, which I use all the time. I use them when I'm not even messing with stuff with servers sometimes. Their, their tutorials are so good. You could use them for your local machine. You could use them on any service. That's what I love <laughs> about DigitalOcean is they give so much back to the community. You don't have to sign up to even take advantage of all this stuff. It's out there and they keep them up to date and it's just beautiful. And as a listener of Destination Linux, you're going to get $100 free credit by going to do.co.com 
slash DLN. That's D-O dot C-O slash D-L-N. And that's going to get you a $100 free credit to go do a bunch of $5 droplets or one gigantic server and play with all of these awesome things they have there. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. Have you ever wanted to do development of any kind of uh, language, you know, or maybe even just scripting? But one of the biggest decisions every developer has to make is what coding tool they will use to write their code in. And if you're taking a training class or you're in school to learn to code, you will likely use and become at least used to something like a text editor or an IDE. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And um, if you're if you're self-taught and you're finally looking for something different, though, yeah, there are a lot of different options. And so you you I I wanted to talk about like what are the different IDEs that we use as each of the hosts try out. And uh, I've also been clear on this show multiple times that I'm a big fan of a particular. Uh, text editor and Ryan has given me the challenge uh, in addition to you know looking at other options uh, well basically I tried eight other IDE slash text editors Mm -hmm. and uh, so I I took up the challenge that that Ryan laid down and I have a lot to things to say but before we get into that let's talk about you know the the entire like the purpose of this segment is to we want to invite the community of developers that listen to the show to add their input because we already have a post on the forums and um, if you want to leave your feedback we would very much appreciate that so you can uh, do go to dealinforum.com to see that and we'll have it pinned uh, also in the show notes for this episode and i also want to mention there is a difference between an ide or an independent uh, development environment or and uh, text editors. Although there isn't that those that those lines are kind of being blurred at this point. Yeah. But it is still there is still a difference. There's a lot more you can do in IDE and text editors are more minimal, although in the past few years that has become less so there's their extensions have changed everything absolutely absolutely well i i think this is really interesting because when i went out to the community on the deal in form and i was asking them the the text editors that they utilize there of course you have people talking about visual studio code and we know that this was a big one that's used in the linux development community it was created by microsoft it is open source out there it's cross-platform so people probably utilize it at work. They probably utilized it in school or training classes and things. And it's a very, very popular option for many of the coders that even work on the distributions you're probably using. We've had them on the show. They talk about utilizing Visual Studio Code. So that's mm-hmm. a very popular one. Sublime Text, Michael never shuts up yeah. about it. That that's, one that's the one yep. is very <laughs> popular as well. It's that's not the dignified source. text editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it? Because it's not um, open source, uh, Michael. Is it? Well, so, the, I mean, okay, shame. but the, the, a lot of the stuff in VS Code is not open source. So, I mean, huh, huh. it's true. Not everything so. in VS Code is open source. And, well, we'll get into that in a little bit. And they talked about <laughs> Atom as well. Atom is a yes. very popular one that also now is owned by Microsoft, I guess, because they bought GitHub. They and, bought GitHub, yep. Correct. Yeah, so yeah. they kind of own that. And of course, you have your VI and your Vims, lots of people talking about those, utilizing that for their coding activity there. So we kind of have a wide plethora, but I would say the number one IDE that came up or text editor, if you want to call it that, because technically, I guess it's not an IDE, is VS Code. VS Code kind of shows up over and over and over and over again. And there was a couple of pie charms and things like that. Um, but I think that's interesting. What does that say about what Microsoft was able to do with VS, VS Code? We know that the Linux community isn't always huge fans of Microsoft stuff. I mean, so it's really interesting to me to see that though 
this code editor, this text editor has been embraced so heavily. And I guess that just speaks to how good of a tool it is. Yeah. And I think also it's for those um, developers coming over from, from Windows to Linux, you know, it's a, com a comfortable way to get them using Linux to use their, their app they're always using on Windows. So I think that's been why it's so popular. No, I think that's a good point. I think you know, people become used to one platform and then they use it. But when VS Code mm -hmm. came out, a lot of people switched platforms immediately to it. You'd heard a lot more about Sublime Text and other things back then. And then VS Code came around and kind of just wiped the floor Dominated. with a lot of the competition. Yeah. Well, yeah. VS Code has some potential. I, I will admit... Microsoft marketing. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, that does help quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. I did try out VS Code and VS Codium. At first, I, I felt like I tried... I was like, I couldn't bring myself to use VS Code. Uh, and then I used mm -hmm. VS Codium and I felt like there was something missing. So if I didn't install VS Code to try it out, that I would, you know, kind of, you know, wouldn't have the full information. And then I tried out VS Code and realized, yeah, I don't like, there's a lot of things I don't like about either one of them. But let's to be clear, I am, everything that we talk about, we have different experiences where, and also none of us are like full-time developers. So if you are a full-time developer, we would love to hear from you. So hey, let us know Speak in the for comments. Yourself, Michael, I wrote the Michael AI bot. I mean, yeah. that I, okay. alone. <laughs> to be that clear, we may yeah. have successfully convinced Pine64 that we are developers. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on your definition of the word successfully. But um, <laughs> I think that it's, we, yeah, we're, we're, developer-esque sort of. But truly, me, you <laughs> have all contributed code to several yeah. different projects. We've all written code, but we're not full-time developers. So that is right. why we want to include the community in here. And that's why I put that post up because I wanted to see what the community felt. And this isn't a right or wrong discussion either. If you use VS Code and or any of these mm -hmm. and we yeah. give some things that we didn't like about it, that doesn't mean you shouldn't keep using it. That doesn't mean it's a fantastic tool. So, But I did spend a ton of time in a lot of these IDEs this week. And I, nice. my opinions switched. Nice. From what yeah. I started. Very curious. And, nice. and so this is really interesting. Remember, Michael, when you mentioned that I kind of told you, hey, you got to stop holding on to some of those old ideas about distros and you got to go back and revisit them and see if those things still hold true because yep. so many things change over time. That you're the little voice of Ryan in the back of my head. Every time I make it, I make a decision about my opinion and I go, how long has it been since I tried it? Like, shut up, Ryan. I I know. Okay, I get it. Ah. <laughs> well, I had a little Michael on my shoulder saying, oh. hey, Ryan, remember when you told me? Because I was using some of these IDEs that I had written off. Uh, for instance, you know, VS Code is something that I had used for a while to develop in Python. Uh, setting up Python is so easy in VS Code. But then when I found PyCharm, I was like, mm -hmm. VS Code, please. Like PyCharm just, to me, wiped the floor with it. But then going back and revisiting and adding in some of the extensions and things, I could see that so many, so many things had changed in that time. But the one that surprised me the most, I'm a huge IntelliJ fan. And we're going to talk about some of the cool things that they have coming out because they're going to change everything. If you've not used PyCharm and stuff before and you're learning Python, it's a treat. They have a really great development platform. And for people like me, because I'm a PHP user, uh, they also make PHP Storm, which is super yeah. popular in the PHP development world. Yeah. And one of the things that they do really well is, number one, they make the environment very easy to set up and start going. So they do a lot of prompts and things to make sure you're setting up the right environment variables for Python, that you, you know, that just everything's kind of set up and it's walking you through it. You're not 
you're not as a new user stuck there and lost in PyCharm. And they have a lot of tutorials and training classes and mm -hmm. things. So they really invest themselves into the community, which I really like. But I had sworn off Sublime Text as well because it's just a text editor. It's just a simple text editor. It's just and a text editor. What could you do with it? I mean, it's, it's kind of like, really, you're going to compare that to something like a PyCharm or VS Code. And boy, yes. was I wrong, Michael. Boy, yeah. was I wrong. <laughs> nice. I spent so much time in all of these different IDEs, and the one that shocked me the most was Sublime Text. I fell in love okay. again with Sublime Text. I had written it off. I was like, Sublime Text, in my mind, these were the things going on. I'm like, Sublime Text is dead. Nobody's going to keep using it. All these other IDEs are going to take over. I installed it on my computer. I'm mad. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Sublime Text. And then... I found myself spending the rest of the day coding in Sublime Text. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And that includes uh, doing some Docker work. That includes editing some files mm -hmm. within uh, the bash. And that includes doing some work in Docker. Because you could do pretty much anything with Sublime Text. And there mm -hmm. are so many extensions that make it more and more powerful. Now, it's not open source. So I got to give it a huge thumbs down for that. Well, it's but not there open are some source. really cool things with Sublime. It, it's not open source, but it does give you control in like every facet of the editor. So the only thing that's not necessarily like open source culture is the part of the code. But the the plugins are all open. The the structure of how you can modify the settings, you can change like everything. And so when you, at first I actually it was funny because you said that, and then as I was trying the different uh, IDEs and text editors as we talked about. Uh, I realized why you didn't like Sublime at first because it is very minimal looking up front, <laughs> very minimal, which is amazing to me because I was uh, I was already sold on Sublime before I even tried it because I watched a video that was explaining why some people should look at Sublime. So then I then I actually already knew all the cool stuff. So if you're just looking at it at, a, at like at first. How do you do all these things? Because I don't think there's a welcome guide or any kind of thing. Get it no. starting guide. It, it's nothing. like, hey, good luck, jerk, and runs. Yeah. It, it, does, <laughs> yeah. it does nothing user-friendly in that in that tool. In fact, even getting to the extension system is not friendly in that tool. What are you talking like, about? It's Control-Shift-P, then you type in list packages, <laughs> and then that, it's fine. Install packages, it's and then fine. you got to go through that and find the... Like, it is not <laughs> intuitive from that standpoint. What's amazing is the community around Sublime Text writing these mm -hmm. extensions and what they've done with the tool. And I think that's pretty cool to think about because in a lot of cases, that's what makes open source awesome is the community and the things that they added into it. Because Sublime Text by itself... It's just a basic text editor. No, it is the not. The extensions that make no, it, it No, it is not. There's a ton of great extensions. I 100% agree. There's a lot of great stuff there. However, I disagree with the statement that it's not good by itself. It is the innovator of a ton of cool stuff. Like you'll see uh, VS Code and Atom and all these different editors have multiple cursors and they have different configurations of how to activate the cursors for different shortcuts and different features and all that. All of that was invented by Sublime Text and it's there by default in Sublime Text. You just have to know how to use this stuff. So yeah. fair enough. <laughs> it's not clear how to use most of the stuff, but it is a ton of great features that are built in by default in Sublime that 
if you know they're there, it's amazing. If you don't, then it looks it looks very minimal by default because you, right. you it doesn't really like when I was playing with the different applications, I saw that VS Code had a guide, a welcome getting started guide, which is actually probably one of the best getting started guides of all the editors. And because it had like this multi-tier system of showing you different things you can do and check out. And then uh, Adam has a welcome guide too. Adam does it. Yeah, I was gonna say Adam has a really nice welcome yeah. guide, I think. It's Ooh, nice. High charm. I, PyCharm yeah. has one of the greatest, I think, welcome guides out there because it walks you through setting up. And that's kind of one of the advantages of PyCharm. That's kind of one of the advantages of what IntelliJ did, right? Is they're focusing on a programming language. And that allows them to kind of walk that person through a very specific workflow setup. Whereas the rest of these through extensions and things kind of become like IDEs where they have all these features like auto-completion and pre-installed libraries and syntax highlighting, but you got to find all the extensions first uh, in there. Sure. Whereas I think PyCharm has that advantage because there, you know, you know, if you're getting PyCharm, you're going to be writing in Python. In right. There. So yeah. I, think that's I was really impressed by PyCharm. In fact, I uh, was testing it because Ryan loves it so much. I had never used it before. You know, it's not only a great tool for learning Python, but I found it is a it is a wonderful tool for new users to learn how to use an IDE and a more complex IDE. And um, I was really impressed by PyCharm, so I, I can see why it's one of your favorites, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I really like PyCharm, and I think PHP Storm is very similar to like the 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 value that PyCharm offers, but in the PHP world, that's why a lot of PHP developers have moved over to PHP Storm they, because yeah. it does the same approach for the different language. And I think that's cool that that um, IntelliJ does that sort of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, uh, also Sublime Text is the best. Just to clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we weren't supposed to say what's better and what's not, Michael. The point oh, my of bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's okay, the, it's Sublime the Text is you. the most dignified. Oh, oh there you go. I do yeah. like Sublime Text, too. I like very minimal uh, text editors for coding. That's just because I am old school, yeah. you know, when it when it comes to coding and writing shell scripts. Because mm-hmm. I learned how to code when there was were no autocompletes or, or other conveniences and plugins. <laughs> so sure. the, I'm talking about back in the days when I learned basic, Fortran, Pascal, and assembly. So <laughs> we didn't have all wow. the fancy stuff. <laughs> how did any coding get done without autocompletion or syntax highlighting? Like oh, how did no anything get done? Well, I remember it too, because my dad was a programmer. Printing it out. Printing. Jill, that's what I was going to say. My dad would go on vacation because he owned his own business. He never really went on vacation. And when I say this, this dot matrix printer, he would have piles yeah. of paper like this. And he's in there looking for the wrong comma and the wrong period through these just lines yes. of text. And writing code back then, I remember as a kid, like we're going to Disney World and he's in the car, my mom's driving, he's just going through all this and highlighting things with a pen. And I was like, God, that looks like a miserable life. And it was. (laughs) And thankfully, (laughs) they invented syntax highlighting and autocomplete now. Yeah. And and debugging. Absolutely. Very nice. (laughs) So actually, my favorite IDE currently is actually Adam. And it is because it has, you know, embedded Git control, which is very important (laughs) for pushing and pulling. And I like the theming choices and color choices for the commands. It's easy to use, but very powerful and highly customizable, like a lot of the text editors we've talked about. Um, But it also allows me to code in Bash and Python and XML and in YAML. And it is visually laid out like kind of like a file manager 
that's what when I was looking at it more, I'm like, huh, that's why I like it. Because it's it's like using MLFM or Nautilus <laughs> or one of my favorite file managers. Yep. And to me, most importantly, it is closer to a more traditional text editor that I have used on a daily basis to code for years, like Gedit, Nano, Joe, and Vim. Those were the ones I used for years and years. So Atom is a nice balance between the really old school text editors and a complete IDE. I really love Atom. I think my issue is I... I feel like Adam, and in fact, somebody in the comments said, I thought Adam was dead. I, I feel like Adam's kind of, and this is just my impression, kind of going to the wayside as Microsoft owns both and VS Code obviously is their primary focus there. I'm not saying there's not a team working on Adam. They're not adding other things, but I think you could see from community comments other people yeah. feel the same way. But Adam's well-maintained and it works fantastic mm-hmm. to this day. I spent a lot of time in Atom. And in fact, at one point I was writing exclusively in Atom because I just, I love it. I think it's a fantastic code editor out there, but I do see this time period where Atom kind of just fades into non-existence and VS code comes up unless the community goes and just picks up Mm. Atom and makes it their own out there because I couldn't imagine Microsoft wanting to support two completely different platforms, but maybe they don't care. Maybe they're fine with it. People want to use both out there, but yeah, Atom's beautiful. Um, I think the whole world is changing. We we talked about IDEs and text editors, and I know we're going to get the comments that there's big differences between the two, but we talked about them kind of merging and those lines blurring as extensions came in. And PyCharm, we talked about IntelliJ, they're actually launching a really mm-hmm. awesome new tool out there called Fleet. Has anybody heard about Fleet and what they're doing here? Because I think they're adapting to what's changing in the world because we talked about liking to have those independent tools just for Python, for instance, like PyCharm, Mm -hmm. or Michael said for the PHP tool. But they also understand that now when you're writing code, you're not just writing in Python. You might be doing Python, then you're doing R, then you're moving over here into another language and you're writing in some Rust and you're just all over the place because a lot of applications have multiple facets to them. So kind of one dedicated language platform may not be the right thing for everybody out there. So in comes Fleet. This is their lightweight solution that brings in support for all their IDEs under one roof. And they're also going to be building in remote development options for all of their family of IDEs as well. And I think this is because with VS Code's domination, which we could see in our forum, we could see when we talk to a lot of developers, they're trying to figure out a good competitor to kind of go out there and go after the, the VS Code users out there, because I'm sure every text editor IDE platform out there is probably bleeding a lot of users to VS Code. I think that's an interesting mm-hmm. point, and I do think it's it's a good idea for them to combine stuff, because one of the reasons I like Sublime Text is that I can have multiple languages in the same editor not have to learn new uh, custom shortcuts and stuff for different editors. So if they were to do that, I think that is a, is a good idea. Uh, and I do think that VS Code is taking a lot of attention away from the other editors. It is It has gotten a lot more popular than I would have expected to be uh, because the way I looked at VS Code when it first came out, this is the same way I looked at Atom, is that they're clones of Sublime Text. And uh, yeah, I, to me, that true. always felt like, uh, wow, well, I could just use Sublime Text. Why would I bother? And it makes sense because people who wanted to use Atom would also have an open source to- uh, solution and, p- and because Sublime's not technically open source. And 
but they, it has still a lot of the same functionality, which is uh, a fair point when people started going to VS Code because if they switch from Atom to VS Code, there is a clear benefit from doing that. And whereas the Sublime to VS Code, there might not be that much of a clear thing. But because there was the Atom uh, option at the in that period of time, it might be a, a good reason why VS Code is getting so popular. And I do think it's a good point that Atom probably is going to go by the wayside because of Microsoft owning both of them. And why would they need to have two different editors? But I do think that the way that IntelliJ is uh, approaching this is a good idea because if... If I was looking for an IDE, I'd, I don't really want a an IDE specifically for one language, because if I'm going to learn one editor, I'd want to use it for a lot of stuff. I think that's the advantage of something like Sublime Text is you can go and edit your bash files. You can go, mm -hmm. instead of using Nano, you can just open things right through Sublime Text. You can yeah. do your HTML. You can do anything you want to edit in Sublime, you can do there. And I'm not saying you can't do that with Atom and Visual Basic as well, because they have fantastic Git um, implementations and things inside of them. Whereas Sublime, I think, is a more advanced, uh, like Jill said, kind of old school as well in some ways. For instance, it's more like a text editor, the traditional definition. Yeah. It has a separate program to integrate with Git. Yes. Completely different. And that really is kind of how a text editor, the old definition of the two uh, between each other, text editor and an IDE is, you know, they're kind of keeping a separation of those programs that do one thing, do it really well. But and Sublime so think, Merge is quite good. As Sublime well. Merge is so. amazing. Yeah. I was very happy when I found Sublime Merge. My issue with Sublime is you talked about the fact that everybody has kind of mimicked some of the main features that Sublime has and they're not open source. So at this point, why not open source? It's not like they have something that the others don't have. I really think they should open source. Number two is their licensing system. The It's nice that you can keep using Sublime for free, right? This helps with the digital divide. Again, it will prompt you every few saves or so to say, hey, do you want to buy a license? You're in a trial version, but that never, it never goes away. Meaning you can keep using it infinitely. You just kind of have to deal with that prompt ever so often mm -hmm. in Sublime. Sure. But the pricing is $99 for three years, which isn't bad, but $99 is a lot for some people to put up front. So I, I, I'm, I'm fine with them charging. In fact, I wish a lot of projects would charge because I love supporting their stuff, but I think they need an entry level. You know, a kid at home is going to have a hard time convincing his parents to use mm -hmm. Sublime Text over VS Code when one costs $99 for the license that keeps prompting them for, and one's entirely free for life. And so I, well, I think they need something the telemetry. step up. <laughs> That's another point that you bring there. Uh, a lot of people don't know that VS Code has telemetry built in. So yeah. if you go into VS Code and you install it, even in Linux, you have to go through like typical Microsoft and go searching mm -hmm. through all the settings to find that real special area they hidden that says, hey, we're going to send all the telemetry stuff behind the scenes from your computer. It's there in VS Code. And so you have to go turn that stuff off. And if you don't know about it, which they don't tell you about it, well, then you're sitting there sending telemetry to Microsoft, which makes you ask the question, why not just use Windows at that point? Because you're sending your telemetry anyways. But so that that's kind of one of the issues with VS Code is that, that Microsoft has introduced that telemetry in there. But I think Sublime could do some stuff like, like we see being done with Fleet that could... Sure. really bring them back into the mainstream because I like Adam where I'm concerned about. And by the way, I'd love some of the Adam developers if we're completely wrong here to come on and talk to us about what's going on with Adam and some of the future of it. I feel like sublime text while I fell in love with it 
and I started using it and I was really tempted to buy a license and probably will. I feel like it's kind of fading into obscurity because they're really not doing anything innovative right now. I don't think that that's necessarily true because the Sublime Text is, um, to me, Sublime Text is the, uh, it's not only is it innovative in terms of it's creating new features in terms of the concept of editing code, but also it is, it has definitely clear value when you compare the fact that Sublime Text is a ridiculously lighter application than any of those electron-based stuff like Atom or VS Code or VS Codium or whatever. It is, yeah. But it, it's, it's like one-tenth of the resources needed to run Sublime Text. And it, it's very clear when you're doing a lot of fi- – you have a lot of files running or if you have a giant project running – it it very clearly shows when you have that inside of Atom or VS Code versus Sublime. And I think that's one of the big selling points to Sublime is that it is a native editor. So it, and on all the platforms that it's on. And it's not just, you know, using some kind of framework to sort of bypass make using creating native code. So I do think that Sublime has a lot of value, but at the same time, I do think that there are things that it could improve. And the open source thing is uh, the reason why I would all I, I kind of defended them in the beginning when they when I first started using sublime text which was years ago before Adam existed and all this and it was comparing between sublime text and other things and you would see like people talking about why is it not open source and their reasoning for not making it open source is because people were going to steal their ideas and their code because if if it was open source you're giving them the option to take the code without having to worry about it well, but so, and you and you can tell all of these different editors did exactly editors. copy the things that they, yeah. they knew they were going to copy. So <laughs> instead of- not accomplished. No, the, <laughs> it wasn't to stop them from doing it. It was to say, you're going to have to put in the effort yourself and build it yourself if you want to do it. And But now, since all of these editors have those features, now I, I tend to agree with the idea that maybe it could open source now because they's, mm-hmm. they've already been copied. You know. It's time, Sublime. Yeah, it's time, it Sublime. Look, I made a rhyme there. You know, there's some really, there's some really cool features Sublime had in their latest version. Um, the license keys are no longer tied to single major versions, so they made that change, which is awesome. Now they're valid for all updates within three years of the purchase. But again, I think they need a lower entry point for people in there who can't afford the initial ninety nine dollars. I guess the lower entry point in their mind is you can just keep clicking ignore yeah, to the prompt an, that pops a up. forever evaluation yeah. period. Yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, file tabs have been enhanced to make split view effortless. The autocomplete engine has been rewritten. Suggestions are also augmented with info about their kind and provide links to definitions. So it's becoming more intelligent of a platform, which is good. But this one really made me excited. Sublime Text can now utilize your GPU on Linux. Oh, yeah. On Linux. That's awesome. Yeah. So this results in a really fluid UI <laughs> all the way up to 8K resolutions, all while using less power than ever before. And so there, there are some cool things in Sublime. And again, we're not saying use one or the other. If you're, if you're used to using VS Code and you want to stick there, keep using it. But the one thing this whole process taught me is to make sure to keep going back and checking out other platforms and not just sticking with one thing because maybe you had a bad experience with VS Code or Atom in the past, assuming that that's always the case because these things are changing really fast and they're adding features in constantly to try to attract the new audiences. And like I said, I had written Sublime off and it kind of stole my heart again here towards the end of this, which I think is really cool um, experience for me. 
You know, the other thing about Sublime, I have been noticing across other open source projects, in, including the ver our very own hedge doc we use, Sublime syntax has, has mm -hmm. uh, you know, been part of those open source projects along with Vim. So that yeah. that's saying something very powerful right right there about mm -hmm. you know how popular it is and how many people love to use it. Like it's so good that people are taking the syntax and the 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 functionally like the UI scheme yeah. and and providing it in the other editors like HedgeDoc, making it possible to use certain not every single thing you'd want to do inside of Sublime is available in these kinds of things, but a mm -hmm. lot of them are. And when I switch from Sublime to anything else like doing the show notes, having those quick access features just available to me instantly is amazing. Like, I love that. And that's also one of the reasons why when I'm trying out other editors, I'm also comparing to like, how Sublime-ish is it? And th that's not really fair, I understand. But because I've been using Sublime for so long, and because Sublime's so good, it made me like, I don't have a choice but to compare it. So Sublime and Atom are very similar. I think it's very a lot, similar. A lot yeah. of value comparison. Even the, the file manager thing yeah. that you're talking about is also in Sublime, but it it's is, not. Yeah. It's not clearly accessible. You have to activate the sidebar and activate open the project. side panels. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And Locked the, the love reason for Adam. I like it. Yeah. Well, the other reason I I kind of moved over to Adam was because of that open source element. <laughs> so, yeah, that's nope. fair. That's yeah. fair. I'm not saying that. That's. I, I, but as I do a person, like Sublime. <laughs> I think I, I am a, a huge proponent of open source and I always choose it if I can, if there's the better tool. But I do think Sublime is the better tool, which is why I still am um, using Sublime, regardless of so its... So the headline right. for this is Michael hates open source, which I think is fine. Wow. <laughs> that, is a, that is a, that's <laughs> such a massive stretch. I can't believe you would go there. <laughs> no, that's not true. And, and, but I, I did want to tell you, a lot of people talking about Vim in the comments and things. I tried Vim last. Vim will be my editor from now until um, I can figure out how to exit it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Oh, no, we're going to go old school. We got to give you Vi or Emacs. Yeah, Vi. I still yeah. use Emacs. I think well, a lot there of people is, in our uh, community mentioned there. it. And those <laughs> tools are extremely valuable, extremely Absolutely. fast. If you watch somebody code in Vim or Emacs, it's like... Yeah. Wow. They, they're they like <laughs> androids. Then again, a new person suggesting that to them is going to uh, take a hammer to their computer. So make sure you do some training first. And if that's your style and you like using HJKL to navigate and all of that type of stuff, the people who can do it are insanely fast at it. Yeah. And they can make all these text editors look like toys. But for the rest of the normal humans out there, I like to use something like, you know, Sublime or Atom. And there's also a lot of value in the Emacs and the Vim world because they can be used in a terminal. And as as you started talking about Vim and Emacs, I, I it, it reminded me of something that I, I, I would be really annoyed with myself if I didn't mention it. There is a Sublime Tesk what? There's a Sublime <laughs> Text um, clone that is meant to be running the terminal called Micro. Oh, yeah. Micro. I've played and that. And it is yeah. very, very cool. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah. If you want to try a terminal application that also has a lot of benefits that Sublime offers, uh, Micro is definitely worth checking yeah. out. Uh, I <laughs> A lot of people have told me they don't they, they love Sublime, but they, they couldn't use it over a terminal, and that's why they can't use Sublime. And I think maybe Micro is worth looking into if that's if that's you very cool i didn't know that existed mm. out there now michael i did see real quick we we'll wrap up cuda text gnome builder some other ones you tried 
anything surprise you in your experience this week? Uh, yeah, actually, I tried a, a, a few, and I think CUDA text is really interesting, uh, though it, it looks like it's kind of being a Sublime Text clone, but it doesn't really, it doesn't clone the use, like the workflow. So I think that it could be an option for someone who wants an open source uh, version or alternative to Sublime, uh, but it's you, you have to learn their uh, shortcuts and their workflow much different. So it wasn't an easy transition for me. And it's also something I think that it should be considered in, you know, de- regardless of the different, like the space of software, is that if there's already a very clear uh, ex- a, like workflow that is expected, maybe consider how much you can accommodate that or not. Uh, because I do think that the transition to CUDA text, if it was more like Sublime, would have been super easy for me to do because it also like mm-hmm. the icon even looked like Sublime a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting it, and yeah. uh, and it didn't didn't really be that. But it it still looked like a good editor for those who wanted to try out a more uh, you know open source lightweight uh, alternative if they wanted to check it out. And I've tried a bunch of other ones. And I do realize that I'm not really an IDE person. I prefer the text mm-hmm. editor that has a bunch of extensions. Cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, the Eclipse, for those people who look like Eclipse. NetBeans uh, and Eclipse didn't... Yeah. Uh, not my thing. Yeah, NetBeans, huh? NetBeans, uh, Net speaking of which, I revisited. I hadn't used it, honestly, since the <laughs> using Solaris years ago. Because I used it for a Java project many mm-hmm. years ago. And... I revisited it, and boy, it has grown. It's huge. It's one of the most complex IDEs out there, but it's very powerful. Well, they have (laughs) extensions, too, to write in other many different languages and things out there, yeah. Yeah, I switched. Yeah. I used the. Uh, I changed some different things because I'm more of a PHP. the 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 scripts I write are more focused for the Linux stuff, but most of my programming yeah. aspects are in PHP. So I had to okay. use configure the different things to based on it. Like where uh, Eclipse has a web focused PHP thing, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And it was even though it was focused for that, it was still it was still more than I wanted because I I like the minimal feel of a text editor, but also having a ton of power with the extension. So that's just my thing but i also tried gnome builder and for anybody who wants to make applications on linux gnome builder was pretty slick it looked very nice and it worked well mm-hmm. it had some some issues with dark mode but over other than that uh it was a very nice editor uh, but i did want to talk about one thing because we were talking earlier about how these different applications come with git or you know with sublime you have to use sublime merge and that sort of stuff and there's uh, you know standalones i found a git app that i wanted to tell you about because we've talked about on this show a couple times the names of different applications maybe it's it's easy to, to remember it's like uh, or it's just ridiculous gibberish and you just impossible to pronounce or whatever i found i don't know how good this app is but it's such a good name that i have to tell you giddy up Giddy up. Ooh. Yes, I've, seen, I've heard of Giddy Up. Giddy that, Up, Giddy Up, Giddy Up. I, I don't know how good it is, but that name is fantastic. So well done. <laughs> That's a pretty fantastic name. Yeah. You get plenty of points there. Well, let us know what IDEs or text editors you use. Go to dealinform.com. You'll see the post there. Lots of people already contributing. And again, we'd love to see your feedback. And if you use any of these IDEs, even the ones maybe we didn't sound like we were super excited about, keep using it. There is no wrong choice here. The key is that you're coding, you're contributing, you're doing your thing, and that's what these are supposed to be. They're tools to help you out and be able to make your coding faster. Whichever one works for you, keep using it, even if it's Vim. I'm going to get a lot of comments about that. Even if it's Vim. Wow, I just set myself up. You did. You did. 
Also, if you want to set yourself up with an awesome piece of software, you can check out Bitwarden. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash DLN. Bitwarden is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, it provides you with various different kinds of tools. You can store your passwords in a secured vault, use an auto generator to generate passwords so you don't have to actually create the password yourself, or even automatically fill in passwords on login forms so you don't have to do any of this stuff. And you can access all of your data across many different types of devices, whether it's a web browser, a mobile application, desktop application, or even on the command line. And Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, which is a very important piece because it means that you're the only person with access to your data. And you can go to bitwarden.com slash to get started. Did I mention you can start it for free? Well, you, you can, but I think you also want to check out their premium account because there's a ton of great features that you get with that, and it starts at less than a dollar per month. One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, priority customer service, and so much more, including Bitwarden Send, and also some new stuff that I thought just I wanted to tell you about it because if you are a part of a Bitwarden enterprise, you can actually get now uh, family accounts for free, just six accounts for anybody who is an employee of a company that is using the cloud-based enterprise plans for Bitwarden. So if you want to set that up for your company, you can actually uh, provide a ton of great value to your employees as well with Bitwarden. So check it out, bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring Destination Linux. You know, we talked a lot about kind of changing our opinions on things. There was a while where I was doing YouTube videos and a lot of people were switching, especially after the 30 days of Linux. But one of the things they would get stuck on was there's no professional video editor in Linux. And while I would mention things like Caden Live at times, Caden Live back then had a lot of issues where it would crash. And then eventually they wrote in some recovery things. And Caden Live has just continued over the years to get better. But during that time, I had to find kind of other alternatives like Lightworks out there, which I felt like I could recommend to the community that needed to do professional video editing and still show that Linux was a viable platform for video editing in there. But after revisiting Caden Live recently, I'm just, I'm so amazed at the work that these developers have done in Caden Live. They, they are taking things that... If you look at like Adobe's products, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for licenses, some cases thousands if you want the whole suite of Adobe stuff in there. And you're getting Caden Live, a pro video editor, is getting to the pro level video editor for nothing, nothing. Of course, you should donate to it, but for nothing right up front if you can't afford anything in there. So your, your budding director, your new YouTuber, all of this stuff, they have a tool that they can do professional video editing. And this latest release of Caden Live like takes this to a whole new level. AI being built in, motion tracking, multi-cam support, which is one of the big features a lot of professional video editors need in there. Object obscure. This I didn't I was asking earlier in the show <laughs> because my video that just came out today, you can go check it out and you could see object obscure in motion actually happening. But I was looking to obscure some data because I was doing a video and I had to use my phone that I was mirroring on my screen and I didn't want some information to be seen. So I was looking for the typical kind of blur or I was going to put a rectangular black box over it. And when I was typing in one of the words for it, obscure came up. 
and I grabbed it and I dragged it in and I'm like, I'm in love with this. So you can actually, you know, select specific areas of the video that you want it to obscure and it automatically just takes it and kind of obliterates that area. So you can keep things from being shown on the screen that you don't want to see. And you could put multiple layers of obscure in that video. I actually have in one section, there's like four different obscures going on over that particular frame that's running. So it's very well done there and multiple bins and other stuff. So I guess I'm saying, Michael, your love for Caden Live is justified. And yes. some of the stuff that yes. they're doing here now is taking it into the Lightworks level. It's mm -hmm. taking Absolutely. it into the Adobe level. And we're finally kind of out of what I would say was, you know, very amateurish tool and starting to really go into more of that mm -hmm. pro line or what's, what's in between pro and amateur, pro amateur? Prosumer. Prosumer. <laughs> pro we're kind of going yeah. into that kind of prosumer level of a tool here. And one of the things I'll also say about using Caden Live, uh, again, I didn't renew my license for Lightworks for the first time in years is mm. I don't have the crashes like, and now with the recovery, which they've had for years now, even if you did crash, which I don't have, it will automatically recover that stuff, which is something, believe me, if you're editing videos and doing 250 cuts, you don't want to lose that work. You don't want to lose that. Yeah. And yeah. there's actually a lot of benefits of the recovery thing that I accidentally found because I had a thing that there was a bug in one particular version that was a long time ago, but it was uh, a bug that made me lose just uh, a certain section in the beginning of my, uh, my project file. But I didn't notice it until about 30, 40 uh, cuts in afterwards. And then I went to go like edit something in the beginning and I'm like, what, where did it go? And that freaked me out. Like, of course, it's going to freak anybody out. But there, this that sounds like a big bug. And it, it was, but they, <laughs> the recovery system is so good. I just went to the, 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 I think it was a Telegram group, and asked them, hey, is there a way I could get this stuff back? And what the way that the recovery system is working is that like every once in a while, the Caden Live project is being duplicated. So the data is actually in your cache of your system in multiple layers until you close out the whole session and everything. And so I could just go back and pull in uh, uh, the entire project file and it's all good again. And I just, you know, replaced the old, the, the weird file with a better, mm -hmm. with a backup file and it was just fine. And that is something that is fantastic to have that I didn't, I, I was just hoping, crossing my fingers, there's going to be a solution. And there was. So that's an example of this, the, the application has covered a lot of, of things that people are needing and including like the multicam support is something that Ryan has been talking about oh, for a long man. time this mm -hmm. is wanting huge. to have it. And what is funny is that there's sometimes Caden Live will put in new features that I didn't think I wanted. And then they put it in and I try it like, oh, I do want this. Thank you. Such yeah. as the multiple bins. Uh, oh, it yes. seems it seems like that wouldn't be that necessary. You could just organize it by folders. Sure, you could do that. But you could also have uh, folders inside of different bins and organize it by like your A-roll and your B-roll and your stuff like that. And that is such a, a much cleaner approach than the folder system because you don't have a giant bin that you have to scroll through. And for those who have a, a workflow layout of the UI, which by the way, for those who don't know, you can modify the look and feel of Caden Live in every facet and move everything around if you want to. It could be I changed any all the shortcuts so that they're like Lightworks because I use Lightworks yeah. for so long. I needed those same keystrokes. It's very easy to change. Jill, what's your experience with Caden Live? 
Oh, so what these features bring are industry standard features that we get with DaVinci Resolve, Adobe Premiere, and Avid editors. And that's the, the, the huge deal here. These are industry standard changes that are coming to Caden Live. And yeah, the, the simple things like being able to create multiple project bins from folders. It's not only a wonderful tool for organization, but brings those industry standard feature that I'm used to using in my workflow coming from DaVinci and Adobe Premiere. Mm-hmm. And that that is huge. It's it's really bringing uh, Caden Live up to you know professional level editor mm-hmm. that Absolutely. is even better for my students because I ha- you know have to teach them the Avid's and in the past Adobe Premiere and uh, DaVinci Resolve. But now I can recommend Caden Live because it is, it, it is yeah. the open source option. For, for doing a lot of those uh, same techniques of bringing their animations in and editing them together and making a movie. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's really important. The multi-cam yeah. editing from a professional standpoint is a must. You have yes. the ability to, if you go into their multi-cam tool, basically see, have multiple scenes that you've shot. Maybe I'm doing a product review and another one where I'm talking and I want to edit those in and I kind of want to mix them up. But allowing me to be able to see all that footage simultaneously and move those clips in where I need them is just, it's an absolutely must if you're trying to do any professional looking video out there as all. And then the motion tracking, like this really surprised yes. me to be putting this mm-hmm. kind of technology inside of Caden Live. Now mm-hmm. you have to use their AI models that you need to download first. So if you want to play with this, but the ability to do motion tracking, and this is kind of the beginning of it, I feel like for Caden Live, and I didn't have a chance to play with it, but I feel like this is really going to be fascinating. For instance, if I want that specific effect to go along with somebody's face the entire time that that footage is running, having that kind of element or ability to track their face would allow me to accomplish those type of goals mm-hmm. while I'm in there. I just, I'm blown away by what this team can do each time. Like these, these, these folks are super talented. At yeah. Life. That AI in the yeah. motion tracking is is wonderful. I was playing around with it and uh, tracking a face, and it it did as as good a job as DaVinci does. And DaVinci has really come a long way with AI. So that was saying something. I was really really impressed. Wow. Yeah. That's I I haven't tried the motion tracking yet, but I'm very uh, I have used the latest version, and it is very very nice. And I am I am lo- loving a lot of different features that has been, that's been added. Uh, but I, I do want to try the motion tracking. But there's one that was a feature I want to talk about that is another example of the prosumer aspects of what they're working on that was in the last version, but didn't get a lot of attention. And that is the auto generation inside of Caden Live for subtitles of your video. Oh, and yeah, that very is nice. awesome. Yeah. Like that, it also requires an AI, uh, you know, engine kind of thing to make it work. And it's just, it's so cool that these things are being added to Katie Live because I've been using Katie Live for, I have no idea how long it's been so many years. And I do well, remember it looks like you're from the thirties. So at well, least a couple hundred years. Caden Live yeah. was an uh, was an application in my back in my day that was quite <laughs> good, and uh, it ha- it had a little bit of some bugs, but we were able to uh, you know fight right. those away. And now we're in a situation where Caden Live is a solid option for you. There you go, Caden Live out there. <laughs> Anybody use Blender to edit their videos? I feel like oh, it's yes. the vim of video editing. 
Like, yeah. uh, it's totally it is. complex, it is. but it's, it's very powerful. Uh, tool. It's, it's gotten a lot better, too, especially with this yeah. last release. The latest yeah. releases, of the, like, yeah. the last two releases have been, like, they actually put some effort into the video editing, so it actually feels more like a video editor when yeah. you go into that mode. But before, it was, like, a just a mess of weird configurations that you had to... Everything was yeah, it in was an odd place. I enjoy yeah. doing Blender <laughs> video editing because it's, like, it's fun to be lost for 20 minutes looking for a cut tool, like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. No, I, I'm yeah. teasing. Blender actually is a really awesome video editor. I've used yeah. it quite a bit in the past. It's very I did powerful. a whole video series actually yeah. on how to edit videos in Blender. So it's it's a great tool to use to also learn animation. So you kind of got all in one package with Blender. It's like mm-hmm. Blender's like Swiss Army knife of everything. Yeah. Blender Blender's yeah. amazing for sure. Yeah. Uh it's I w- I'd say that it's the learning curve for video editing in Blender is Probably not the best for someone who wants to get started <laughs> in video editing. But if you do want, if you are already a Blender user, then you'll you'll yeah. love colon WQ to exit Blender when you're done. I don't. It's I don't a, think that's, that's a exact, damn joke. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not how Blender works. Oh. But also in the chat, uh, Merkin asks uh, this 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 feature for the object obscure is that would you say that that allows you to obfuscate the objects? <sighs> you were able to say it too. <laughs> Look at you, Michael. It's because of the handlebars. I was yeah. so dignified that I could say it this time. Well, I practice all week how to say obfuscate. 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 <laughs> obfuscate. I want to obfuscate uh, that episode. Obfuscation is easier yeah. to use. Yeah, to obfuscated say. and obfuscate is, is somehow harder. That's like our Achilles heel on this show, you know? <laughs> Me, Michael, and Ryan secretly like to go to raves into the wee hours of the night. It turns out we are making content for our up-and-coming TikTok destination Linux account. (laughs) Can't wait. Perfect. And we are getting ideas from playing this game called Sewer Rave. The game Sewer Rave describes itself on Steam like this. Sewer Rave is a game about exploring a rat-infested rave in a sewer. There are creatures to talk to, items to collect, fights to go into, and jams to listen to. Explore, discover secrets. And I like uh, that one of the reviewers sums it up so nicely, the game. This is the best game about being in a sewer with talking rats I've ever played. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. (laughs) Oh, that's a great comment. You know, I love looking in the comment sections of Steam games. That's where all of the funniest people Uh. hang out and write (laughs) the funniest things down there. So I didn't know. um, First of all, I would rather die than be on TikTok. But Michael, <laughs> I didn't know you were doing uh, a Destination Linux TikTok. Are you going to be whoa, dancing? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we you, we're we're both at the rave. How do you? How are you yeah, not aware of this? Not. I didn't know we were filming <laughs> yes. a TikTok there. Well, Y'all okay. Me. My bad. Uh, my bad. Next time, I'll let you make it very clear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh. So, Sewer Rave is actually really, honestly, a wonderful game. I like the whimsical 2D hand-drawn look of the rats in a 3D sewer, and I love weird and surreal games like this. It's just yeah. a really a lot of fun. And Sewer Rave is really a, a rat walking simulator and exploration game in the realm of one of my other all-time favorite <laughs> Fun walking simulators, goat simulator. You remember when that came out yes, on Linux? Of course. <laughs> Everyone loved goat uh, simulator. Did you play goat <laughs> simulator, Michael? Not a, not a You second. never played? Okay, oh, we got to do that. We got to make Michael play goat simulator. I think oh, I actually gosh. have it, but I've never played it. 
there there's even there are even plugins to play it on NCC one seven oh one D. To play the the goats in command. The goat in space. Yeah, goats in space. Well, Michael, if you can LARP and pretend you're from the 1930s, I think you can pretend to be a goat for a minute and play Goat Simulator. Just saying. Well, I'll have to check my my calendar to see if it's possible to put it in my schedule. But if possible, I think I might consider checking out this as well as Goat Simulator. Of course, (laughs) if I'm going to play these games, it will have to be live streamed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Michael's already LARPed a, as a raptor dinosaur. So why not a rat? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so so Rat Simulator is only three ninety nine on Steam. I actually have and, rat whiskers right now. So if oh, you think about it, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just released December tenth. Plays day one on Linux. So you can go enjoy some bopping tunes and some nice and sometimes awkward conversations conversation like you really would talking to people on the dance floor this is kind of like the alice alice in wonderlands of games exactly exactly and maybe you're using xfce to play the game oh nice (laughs) whisker i got you i got you well done joe well done well, our software our software spotlight is not nearly as fun as a rat in a rave video game. <laughs> um, but we've talked about the growing field of analysis. And this week, I have a tool that I think will help those who have decided to make that a part of their journey. It will help them out. The software spotlight this week is Jamovi. That's J-A-M-O-V-I. This is a free and open source statistical software that's an alternative to the costly non-open source options such as the SAS and SPSS Mm -hmm. uh, tools out there. It's built on top of R. So if you're in the statistical realm, you're probably already familiar with R, uh, which is statistical language and it has the integration of R built in. And the best part is it utilizes a very simple to use GUI to allow you to easily get started. Uh, You can complete a suite of analysis with this like social science, T-tests, Uh, correlations, regressions, all of the things that you would want to do if you're in the data science field in here. And you get to use Linux and open source out there, which makes it even better. And so if you are in the field of data analytics, go consider checking out this tool. It's very professional, very well done. And somebody who has members of my team that do this stuff professionally, this is a really Mm -hmm. cool tool I plan to introduce to them. Oh, awesome. I actually work with several instructors that have spent literally thousands of dollars on SPSS and SAS because the school wouldn't yeah. buy it for them. <laughs> so it's it's really nice to have a wonderful open source and free option. I've been kind of waiting for a really nice package like this. Yeah, and this one looks beautiful. It looks yeah. really well done. So I can't wait to try it out. The tip of the week this week is something that a lot of people might not be aware of that is actually going to simplify a lot of the stuff for if you have to deal with checking your IP address or getting IP information. A lot of people still utilize uh, ifconfig or ifconfig, and this has very been around for a very long time, but this command has actually not had a lot of work done on it in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's still available in most distributions, but there's actually a replacement that you can try out called IP. That's it. You just type in IP. That's simple. And you put in what kind of parameters you want to get information about, and that's all you got to do. So IP is easy to remember, has lots of powerful switches you can use, and of course, it's only two letters, which that's nice. I like having shorter ways to do things on the command line if possible. So there's four switches to get you started with the IP command that we're going to talk about, and that first is link, which is display and modify network interfaces. Address, which will display and modify IP addresses. Uh, route, which is display and alter the routing tables. Uh, NAE, 
And this is display and manipulate neighborhood or na- neighborhood neighbor objects ARP tables. Uh, and I that's thought sort of you stuff. were trying to be a horse there for a second. Nay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So if you want to check out IP, it's probably already in your system. It might even be installed by default, like it was installed by my distribution by default. So you could just go ahead and try it out. If it's not, you can check your repositories. It's almost guaranteed to be there. So check it out, IP. Yeah, stop using ifconfig. It's been deprecated. I like that word. Yeah. <laughs> deprecated. Deprecated. And, it, we, yeah. and, we, and we both said it properly the first try. I know. <laughs> Look at us growing. Speaking of a place you can go and grow your knowledge, Scale is in our Linux events this week. So Scale is having its 19th annual Southern California Linux Expo. Jill is sporting the hat right now. So if you are at Scale and you want to find Jill, look for the penguin hat. You're not going to miss it. Trust me. If you're not watching the video, you can't can't miss the penguin hat. (laughs) And this is taking place on March 3rd through the 6th of 2022 in Pasadena, California. Is that a nice area, California, Jill? Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorites in LA County. <laughs> Very nice. So Scale is the largest community-run open source and free software conference in North America. It's held annually. So you can volunteer right now or, in, or you can become an attendee. All of their options for talks are done. So they've got tons of talks lined up. A lot of fun to hang out with a lot of like-minded open source Linux loving geeks out there. So that's it. A huge thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening. However you do it, we love your faces. We are here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern at DLNlive.com. The best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux. But our patrons have special perks. Like they don't have the little delay that happens on YouTube and stuff. They get to hang out with us real time with video. Did you know, Michael, that our patrons not only get to hang out in a Jitsi room where they hear audio in real time, but they also get to see video of us in real time as well. They don't have to deal with that delay. That sounds very distinguished. Yeah, it's very distinguished and dignified. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) It's all of those. That actually, uh, it suggests that we should, uh, we should definitely do some extra things right after the show, perhaps maybe a, a patron post show. I'm so glad yeah. you suggested that because every no, week Sky we Fox. have an after show for our patrons where we get to hang out with them and see what's on their minds. So go to destinationlinux.org slash Patreon to sign up now. And also go right now to dealinstore.com where you can pick up some swag. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, backpacks, aprons, all sorts of stuff that you can get uh, at the dealinstore.com. We've actually made some changes to the store this past week. So if you want to check out, we got some new stuff there. We got some uh, new uh, things from GameSphere. We also, I think the the one that we talked about last week, the, the 33% more Jill is there now. <laughs> Uh, I'll have to check. Did it finally show up? I don't. I don't know. By the way, yeah. for everybody who was looking for that shirt, we're sorry. Something <laughs> happened where the the service we use has just kept it in review, and we all want the Jill shirt too. Everybody wants the Jill shirt, so <laughs> it's gonna show up there. We're just waiting for them to finalize Aww. the design. It's, it's still weird. in review. I don't know. I'm gonna have. Yeah. To. They don't want it to happen. They're scared that they're not gonna be able to print enough of the shirts. It's possible. It comes out. Very possible. But it's coming. The Jill shirt is coming. And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on the Destination Linux Network. We have the Pseudo Show, the DOS Geek Channel, This Week in Linux, Hardware Addicts, DLN Extend, 
GameSphere, and the Fedora podcast. So everyone head to DestinationLinux.network and subscribe to all these great shows. And please don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source to keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week and remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Did you see Jill's Woo-hoo. awesome sauce? That was like awesome sauce. <laughs> yeah, oh, you you were like singing it in there, man. Yeah. I like it. Awesome that sauce. could be a shirt right there. Open sauce, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>